On today's episode of Newsflash, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about Donald Trump's top aide, Hope Hicks, just testing positive as we come on the air for coronavirus. Also, Trump sowing doubts on mail-in voting, unequal union support, and the talk about the effects of this awful coronavirus recession and how they may not be as even as we think. My name is Spencer Walsh, once again, welcoming you to episode 438 of Newsflash today. Really appreciate you being with us today. And, you know, uh, I did kind of um, wait a little bit to do the show because uh, very, very tempting, you know, with a big event going on to try and rush in to get all the the best coverage and, and, and really get in on that. But... Um, we do kind of have a little bit of a, a a little bit of a better situation by having this show, just deciding to have the show on Thursday and actually being able to talk about much better stuff because that debate did suck and i mean honestly it probably will have no almost certainly will have no effect on the outcome of the election and neither will any of the debates so that is uh, my kind of cheat sheet hack for you as if you if you care about politics just remember the debates do not matter. Anyway, we're going to get right into it and talk about um, Hope Hicks. As Hope Hicks is one of the, now she's back in the White House, in case you forgot. She's one of the president's closest aides. Because um, she left, she came back now. Um, Hicks she serves as a counsel of the president, and she traveled with him to the rally on Wednesday, tested positive Thursday, um, according to an administration official. Uh, she spoke on the condition of anonymity. Uh, so she she probably took it at least what two days I mean probably less but um yeah so she took the test maybe Wednesday kept going <laughs> to, kept me I don't even know if she had, she had symptoms maybe she was doing to be careful uh, probably was um but yeah took the test hung out with him for two more days and at least maybe less I don't know and now has tested positive so um the virus. Uh, so the White House did not, res- uh, I guess you could say the White House right now is the virus. That's deep. <laughs> but uh, she's the closest aide to Trump test positive, uh, to test positive so far, for sure. The White House did not immediately respond to multiple requests about the t- last time Trump was tested and whether he and other staffers who spent time with Hicks in recent days will be asked to quarantine. And honestly, if I feel like if someone in a man as clearly as poor health as Boris Johnson can get it, comes so close to dying and then survive... Um, it is kind of like the odds don't look good here for for possibly Trump getting it or something like that. There's some crazy thing like that happening in the election, but still, like this again, it shows you. I mean, honestly, it it sounds it sounds awful to kind of like wish the virus on anyone, but I mean, look at who we're talking about here. Like this, this is the reason why we like Trump. Trump is the reason why we still have this problem in a large part. The reason why we still have this problem in the way that we do. So, I mean, like that's probably the most defensible person you could you could wish coronavirus on. Although, I mean, I wouldn't really wish it on anybody else. Um, for sure, I think I think Trump and at least the people around him. I mean, if if that's if that's their if that's what what comes their way after what the, if they reap what they've sowed. Then they reap what they sow. That's what, that's what I, that's my take on that. But I mean, 
yeah, she traveled with the president uh, multiple times this week, including to Marine One, uh, and she was also aboard Air Force One uh, for the debate. Hicks is one of the president's most trusted aides. She previously served the, as White House comms director and rejoined the administration this year ahead of the election. Her first positive test was reported by Bloomberg News. White House staffers have multiple have tested positive with fires, including Katie Miller, Vice President Mike Pence's press secretary, National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien, and one of the president's personal valets. Uh, after earlier positive cases close to the president, the White House instituted a daily testing regimen for the president's senior aides. Others who will be in close proximity to the president and vice president, including reporters, are also tested every day. So, yeah, they get a pretty good, um, they get a pretty good backup. They get a pretty good, strong testing regimen. So hopefully she'll make it, I think she'll end up being fine. She's young. She's probably going to get some good health, health care. She's, she's from Greenwich, so she's not going to be like, it's not like she's struggling to pay the bills on her own. Um, so, yeah, um. But hopefully she's able to recover in 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 roughly a, in a fair way and doesn't spread it to too many people who are just just kind of along for along for the ride there in the White House. Um, but now again, do want to get into more election news here, as Philadelphia voters will soon hear a familiar election year sound at the front door. The uh, of a uh, Democratic official knocking on the door. Anybody home? talking finally checking in for their support um the message they hear though might take them by surprise after months long effort to get voters to embrace mail-in voting democrats in philadelphia will push the supporters to vote in person if they have not already requested a ballot the sudden shift in, sudden shift in tactics in the biggest city in pennsylvania a critical swing state reveals unease over President Trump's war on mail-in voting and a rash of court rulings that are still altering the regulations that will govern how ballots are casted and ca- cast and counted in November. The only secure thing is to walk to the polls, put your mask on, bring some hand, hand sanitizer, and just go vote, says Bob Brady, uh, former congressman and chairman of the Philadelphia Democrats. I mean, to be honest, he's probably right about that. Like, with the situation that we're currently dealing with, um, so many people have already tried mail-in voting. Uh, so many people, uh, hopefully, have done it successfully. But they, there cannot be. I mean, it's, it's honestly one of the few like actually smart things the Democrats are doing here, but like planning ahead and getting people to actually embrace mail-in voting because there is like it's not at all dramatic. It's not at all hyperbolic to say that there is largely a BS war, a propaganda campaign, being uh, waged by the president of the United States. And his very, very powerful allies and it's being backed up by a judiciary that has lurched right over the past four years. Uh, and a Supreme Court that is about to lurch right with the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, that is like you cannot deny that there ha- there has been a massive effort, a massive push to um, really drill down uh, on people's credibility on on mail-in voting i think if you see uh the the shifts in polling i mean i haven't checked it but i'm sure it will back that up because it is not it's not good and i mean i hope especially in these kind of key areas like philadelphia they're really going to need to make sure they get all the support they can at philadelphia because that state is going to be probably one of the closest states in the nation it's a swing state i believe it went to yeah it went to trump last time um and they're they're going to really need to win it back. I mean, literally last weekend, I was driving through 
kind of a more rural Pennsylvania kind of a little bit more in the well our destination was Lancaster's and we're coming from New York so if you know Pennsylvania you can kind of put 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 out kind of figure out the areas we're in like it was kind of rural to suburban area Trump signs 80 to 20 over Kamala Harris uh and Joe Biden in the in the in the in the primary battle I mean who even knows but like people there like it's very very if you the really all you can judge is by enthusiasm and people in that area the, the places that we drove through um in this this past weekend when I was down in Pennsylvania are very 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 excited to um uh go vote for Trump that is for sure Trump flags Trump signs everywhere you almost very 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 common um so trump won pennsylvania by forty four thousand votes so whatever it is it's going to be very very close there's going to be a lot of that and a lot of that population density in philadelphia and that's why they're really again trying to squeeze every last bit of support they can out of it um so yeah this is bob brady um a former congressman and chairman of the uh, Philadelphia Democrats talking, saying, quote, this president is going to do everything he can to fight any state or any city that it has an overwhelming vote against him. And we will have an overwhelming vote against him and we'll be in his crosshair. So that's how he can target it. And I mean, really, if he can go against some of the more suspect city votes, maybe somebody like didn't didn't put their ballot like some some BS mail in voting envelope technicality that they can do like they didn't put the inner envelope incorrectly they didn't put the outer envelope they didn't mark it right uh whatever um it was a massive like like it's, it's gonna be a massive massive legal va- battle so that's why it makes sense and it probably will be easier to do in the cities as opposed to the more rural less spread out areas that trump's more likely to win anyway so if he can really squeeze the support out of places like philadelphia and pennsylvania if you can really cut down on those votes and on that uh, source of support, that is how he can make the best possible path to um, to, to security in those states. And that's what's going to probably draw the most amount of our possible, and I think rightfully so, from uh, people in the Democratic Party. So that is definitely what we're looking at here. Uh, Democrats, though, they have nationally not abandoned their efforts to vote by mail, largely because their electoral fortunes are wedded to the process. Democrats vastly outnumber Republicans in absentee ballot requests in key battleground states. In Pennsylvania, nearly 1.5 million Democrats have requested a mail-in ballot, three times the number of requests from Republicans who are probably, again, in that state. doesn't mean there are three times more Republicans in Pennsylvania. It just means more of them are going to be voting in person because they're less scared of the virus. Uh, Since Wisconsin began mailing absentee ballots on september 16th nearly all the state's counties that voted for hillary clinton in 2016 have returned at higher ballots a higher amount of ballots at a higher rate than the counties that back trump many state parties and officials continue to view, view uh voting by mail as essential amid the coronavirus pandemic which is actually absolutely and completely and totally fair because it should be in a normal healthy country where we had someone who actually was invested about like democracy first like kind of an in, in out like I don't know, in the way Al Gore was in 2000, um, although I think it was kind of bad because he gave up there. But, like, he, like if we had someone who's actually kind of invested in democracy for, and actually was just like, hey, may not win, I still think I'm going to win, but let's just have a free, like, let's just have the safest election possible 
and let's not just try and cast as much like doubt as we can. I mean, sure, there's going to be problems with mail-in voting. It is a system designed to handle, I mean, a small, small fraction of the votes it's going to get. So even with that, there are most likely going to be problems with mail-in voting. And how about we actually devote our time to fixing those problems before the election? I mean, it... Like this is again. This is how you know they're they're doing this for political purposes, not again because they generally care about mail-in voting. They would actually be trying to fix the problems. They would actually be trying to make the situation better if they wanted mail-in. If they actually wanted good mail-in voting, no, they they want the Republicans want to get rid of mail-in voting because it is advantageous to them, um, or because it is not advantageous to them, um, and they no, they don't care. That's it's the hands down safest way to vote in the middle of the pandemic and that arguably if we like if we were going to be super safe here like everybody should be voting as much as possible by mail um but it is like that is that is the truth there and like that is there is no like justification there should be no way for trump to just turn around and be like yeah, I, I really do care about mail-in voting. I, I really want to, like, but it's just not safe. There are many problems with it. It's, it's, it's riddled with fraud like you've never seen, folks. No, like that is a BS talking point in the extreme because, because of the fact that if they actually cared and if they actually recognized that this is the best way to go in a pandemic, um, that by the way, again, they spent the most six, the last six months trying to tell you just doesn't exist. Um then they would actually be trying to fix it, not trying to destroy it, uh, which I think is, is totally fair. Like, it's totally fair to want to go fix mail-in voting because of the fact that... Um, uh, because of the fact that, that like, of course there's going to be problems. Of course there's going to be inefficiencies. There's going to be maybe some mistakes because it is a system that is getting exponentially um, exponentially more votes than it normally gets. Like, think about that. Like, any system getting... It's under that amount of stress isn't going to function at its best. And should there be reforms probably made for that? Sure there should. But do the Trump administration care about that? No, because they're doing it for political purposes. Uh, many states and parties, again, they continue to view voting by mail as essential amid this pandemic. Joe Biden's campaign is still encouraging its supporters to vote by mail and to know their options. That includes, have, sorry, have a plan to vote and to know their options, and that includes voting by mail. But, and again, this is a kind of a really interesting thing about that is the, the kind of the, the rap, rap, rap on the door. That is also gone from the Biden campaign, which I think is far more worrying because the Trump campaign is doing that. They're getting out there calling and they're absolutely starting to form some of the semblance of what we've seen as a kind of traditional grassroots campaign. So, like, we know what that looks like. We've seen that before. And it it, it is it has really been a true and very clear sign of kind of a, it's a sign that you, I, I think you really can't count a campaign out. If one campaign's doing that and one campaign isn't, like that is a cause for concern. Like you see local Democratic Party people being like, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should try and knock on doors, which in a pandemic, if you have a mask, stand six feet away, you're you're not going inside the house. You're not breathing. You don't have to give them a kiss. You just got to say, uh, here's why you should vote for uh, Joe Biden and try and convince him. Like, you can do that six feet away with a mask easily. Easily. Like, it is for 
sure. And it's, it's really, frankly, it's criminal. It is criminal that they are not doing that because it is like we, we've seen it time and time again. We've seen it time and time again. This is the thing like this is the thing that can really, really drive out not just support, not just soft support, which Biden has plenty of, but enthusiasm and drive for people to go out there and actually get them excited. And the fact that that like that is going to be if Biden loses and if Biden loses like clearly. That is going to be the thing that people are going to point to is the fact that he waited so, so long. And I mean, very possibly won't start even doing it at all to actually knock on doors and talk to people, which is so, so important. So important. Um, yeah. Uh, this this change in Philadelphia indicates that some voters are becoming increasingly worried about being uh, about placing completed ballots in the mail. And that election officials are adjusting, adjusting accordingly. As the president falsely claims that mail-in balloting is rife with fraud and the election system has been overtaxed by the vote-by-mail surge, uh, vote, uh, voters across the country have been left to navigate a confusing process. Uh, no, Not only are the rules still being litigated, disinformation from both foreign and domestic sources is also cluttering their social media feeds. Democrats in Wisconsin said many voters were still requesting absentee ballots, but increasingly worried about returning them through the mail. Because, I mean, we, we originally, prior to this, we went through a huge media cycle about how the USPS was, like, under attack and the mail isn't, like, safe anymore. Trump's trying to delegitimize it. And that's something that, I mean, a lot of people rightly fear. And is a very, very big concern. So that is why I think it's going to be super, super critical for the Democrats to at least start thinking about this and and taking some protections. Because, I mean, honestly, who knows what could happen? Who knows the the extent? And I think it really all depends on the margin of victory at election night and the margins and the way things stand at election night, the course the Republicans will try and take from there. Um, But after that, in terms of legal challenges, we could see Bush v. Gore on steroids, which is literally the last thing our country needs. This is the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. I do want to get to this constituency, this very interesting voter group that could play a big role in the election, and it is union voters. Uh, less than 6% of union, um, of a public sector, or private sector workers, sorry, in a union, but still, these kind of union households that really were stronger Democratic, Democratic strongholds for a while, that... We've seen in recent times just kind of flip back towards Trump, uh, or, or in 2016 even flip flip back towards Trump because of the things he said about coal and all these industries. Bring back mining, bring back coal, uh, and the Iron Ranges of Minnesota to the the kind of rural parts of Pennsylvania, which is talking about union voters really were what helped turn the Rust Belt for um, for Donald Trump. In 2016, I do want to play this clip from one of my favorite kind of straight up news shows, which is The Hills Rising uh, and see uh, just first of all, kind of give you the breakdown 
of the numbers here and maybe getting a little bit after of why that may be. He's limiting the margin by which he's going to win the presidential election. That's why I think it's so important. Yeah, and I think it's also important because it kind of debunks. Oh, we're going to rewind that a little bit. Particular, still strongly with Trump. He has seen a significant erosion from his 2016 support. You'll recall back in 2016, one of the big stories was that Trump had done particularly well with union members. Well, Josh Kraschauer has some great numbers about how much union members in the state of Ohio have now switched from Trump over to Biden. Yeah, that's right. So this is Josh dug into the Fox News poll data that just came out of Ohio. Union households in Ohio now favor Biden by eight points, 52 to 44. In 2016, Trump carried that same constituency by 13 points, 54 to 41. That is massive. A 21-point turnaround from where that is. That's incredibly important here in terms of what we see, which uh, what Josh is pointing to is that shifts and within the white working class coalition, specifically within the union coalition in places like Ohio, and you could presume that this is a trend that will carry us across Michigan, Minnesota, and in other states that are important there, you can actually see that even if Trump continues to win that white working class demographic, that by shrinking his margin within there, he's limiting the margin by which he's going to win the presidential election. That's why I think it's so important. Yeah. And I think it's also important because it kind of debunks one of the myths of the Trump era that was propagated by a lot of liberals in the Democratic Party who were like, anyone who voted for Trump, like, just forget about him. Oh, You're right. not going to win him back. Mm. It's over. Like, especially the white working class. They're just too far mm. gone. Like, just write him off. Forget about it. And yet here, with the little bit of economic populist messaging that Joe Biden has done. It's been a couple of things. It's been like the Buy American mm -hmm. piece, and he touted, that, he touted that throughout the industrial Midwest. It's the fact, I think, also that he's associated with the GM bailout, and he's really made that a part of his sure. brand for years now. But also this framing of Huge. Scranton versus Park Avenue. Also I mean, look, big it's kind of weak. So none of it is like the overwhelming populist message or program, more importantly, that we would like to see. But mm -hmm. at least he has seized on a little bit of that and you can see how it is ultimately paying dividends here and i mean yeah with, with this union story and that's kind of enough we can, we can do our own analysis from here thank you crystal and sagar uh but yeah that is definitely a great show if you want to get your morning started off right i here on the spencer walsh radio network do endorse the show rising on the hill because they really they they kind of uh give you the same kind of jingly morning news kind of format but talk about issues in such a different way so it's really refreshing to watch um but anyway we'll save my uh, media criticism for another show um that's interesting go check it out uh but yeah there's so much interesting things to unpack here because if you look at the union support like first of all um there is just like just like uh crystal ball was saying in there um there, like, there is a that that does kind of break kind of, and dispel uh, two myths, and one of them is that uh, the, all of the Trump support was yeah too far gone, super racist, super uh, absolutely beyond reproach. And I mean, I think like that was kind of a thing that was really believed by a small, very cosmopolitan set of the people in the Democratic, but like Democratic Party leadership. I mean, I think they were at least dumb enough to, or just smart enough to know that they couldn't they couldn't really go much further without union support in in the really in the long term. But 
there was some people I, I think stupidly said that oh yeah those, all all the Trump people white working class people uh, we we can't we can't we can't go back to America. no it doesn't really it doesn't take that much like and and it really is I mean the I think another key point to make there is like th- this shouldn't be this close like there should be no reason why a healthy Democratic Party is within single digits uh, support from the Republican on union households, let alone losing by, what was it, like, double digits last time. Now, like, that's just disgraceful behavior. And I think it's a lot of it is because they just have not been taken care of. They've been they've been forgotten by both parties, and they've forgotten by, been forgotten by both nominees. Like, it's been really devastating to, I think, for I mean, while mining has... Uh, gotten a little bit better, and that's going to really help him in Minnesota. That's why he's looking so much better in Minnesota than he has in the past, because people really have seen that mining support and, and are kind of getting into that a lot more. But, I mean, if you look at what he's done for kind of like farmers, for other people, in terms of supporting labor rights, in terms of like, uh, and just facing uh, and just propagating policies that actually help the middle class, I mean, the past four years have not, or in the working people of this country, like, past four years not been very good. Meanwhile, Biden's record, I mean, you got NAFTA, you got TPP, like, helping to hollow out the American middle class. I mean, so there still are a few things in there that are very, very important. Um, They are, um, but that that Biden has done the, those three things that kind of crystal message. Uh, men- mentioned are kind of helping like spin the gap here, and I think there are kind of maybe outside of the union there are reasons that like s- some support is is draining. But if he can really peek through and uh, push through in those areas, like it's going to be absolutely critical. It's going to be absolutely crucial for them to um really make a lot of really really make a lot of, lot of progress on on uh, on this issue and really pull back those margins in those key states and but just on, kind of a, on a on a political argument uh, on kind of a big bigger picture beyond like the the horse race coverage of it like there should be is is absolutely fundamentally disgraceful that that the the left party in this country is not cleaning up among union support like i mean y- you may say oh that like they're they're too like reactionary they're too out there and i mean if you i think if you say that you're really revealing the fact that you've really lost out of touch with the the labor of the like labor in this country and let them get to that point like they're the the democratic party i i was watching a video like the the trump supporting iron range uh miners in union workers in minnesota where like the democratic party didn't leave we didn't leave the Democratic Party. They left us. I think that was when the mayor, the mayor of that town, of one of those towns up there, said it. Said that. I was like, I mean, he's right. He is a hundred percent right. They explicitly said in the last twenty sixteen election. I mean, they didn't explicitly say it, but I mean, through all their actions, we're like, we don't want your support. We don't need it. We're fine without it, and we're gonna go to the suburbs. See you later. And who snuck in there? But Trump. Like that is that is a huge reason why Trump won last time. And that is like that is gonna be if he if Biden can cut down to those margins, um it's gonna be a huge thing. If he could just cut down a little bit, little little by little by little, it could be huge, huge, huge in bringing the rust belt back back to blue. 
But, I mean, you're going to have to really, really, really do a lot more than what Joe Biden is offering to keep it that way. Ladies and gentlemen, tried a little bit of a false start with that music there. Uh, we are going to continue. Uh, we're gonna have our, we're gonna play we're gonna have our music break for you, but do uh, do apologize. We had a for the false start. Hopefully now we should be in business, and it doesn't seem that we are. So you know what? We're just continue right on with our next story. Uh, very, very interesting stuff here today. Headline, I really, we won't probably dive fully into this as much as a normal reader would. But uh, if you want to look it up, uh, the COVID-19 recession is the most unequal in modern U.S. history is the headline in the Washington Post. A big kind of set of charts. Um, job losses from the pandemic are overwhelmingly affecting low-wage minority workers the most. Seven months into the recovery, into recovery black women, black men, and mothers of school-aged children are taking the longest time to regain their employment. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really disturbing, and it, it really kind of shows you kind of on two levels. Like, the fact that those groups are taking longer to earn their employment, I think it, it, it does kind of speak to the broader way the economy is set up in, in this society, but this also is a economic situation, economic conditions that are perfectly structured for people who like pretty much everyone, but the top, the highest echelon of wealthy people, the top 1% of 1% or whatever, um, to gain tons of money while everyone else loses it. And it's, it, it's not even like it's direct. Like it's not even like it's indirect. It's like, it's a clear upward redistribution of wealth, this pandemic. And, it is just a completely kind of straight line there. Um, so between February and April, 10% of Americans aged 25 to 54 lost their jobs. Uh, the employee percentage of the population dropped to the lowest level since 1975, according to Labor Department data. Um, by August, uh, employment uh, employment had covered to the wake of the same levels of November 2011 in the wake of the Great Recession, uh, zooming out beyond the prime working age to employment among the entire adult population to the full scope of the pandemic recession, about half of the employment lost between February and April has been recovered, but the pain does not spread evenly. Um, Hispanic Americans have saw the steepest initial employment losses and still with the most ground to make up uh, to kind of reach the pre-pandemic employment so they are kind of, they started off the highest, uh, it was Hispanic, Asian, white, black, and Hispanics started off the highest and fell uh, almost, the I think, actually the furthest uh, from where they were, but still uh, below black Americans. The recovery is spread almost, uh, also spread unequally. White Americans have recovered more than half of their jobs lost between April and February. Uh, meanwhile, black Americans have recovered just over a third um, of the jobs lost in the pandemic. Um, 
The pandemic recession also took the greatest initial toll on young people. No surprise. 20% of all Americans aged 20, 24 lost employment in the early months of the pandemic. And those ages 20, um, uh, 25 to 34 have only recovered 43% uh, of lost employment. The pandemic economy has also affected mothers and fathers differently. Interesting. Mothers saw greater initial drops in employment than fathers, according to your post analysis, which is kind of interesting because is they also kind of break it down by age um, uh, of youngest child, um, youngest child, 13, 17. They were most likely to be, um, they were most likely employed. Uh, and then once the pandemic hit, they were they dropped, but five or younger were the least likely to be employed. Um, but they dropped, mothers dropped more and had a harder time kind of bringing it back. Of course, that falls to the general, I mean, really becoming less and less general societal expectation that mothers you know, are supposed to take care of the kids. Um, and it's happening, I think, like less and less. The discrepancy was largest among parents of school-aged children recovery among mothers whose uh, youngest children where 6 to 12 has lagged behind fathers. The economic collapse sparked by the pandemic is triggering the most unequal recession in modern U.S. history, delivering a mild setback for those at or near the top of a de- or in a depression-like blow for those at the bottom, according to Washington Post analysis of job losses across the income spectrum. Uh, while the nation overall has regained nearly half of the lost jobs, several key demographic groups have recovered more slowly, including mothers of school-age children, black men, black women, Hispanic men, Asian Americans, younger Americans, and people without college degrees. And I mean, I think it's it's fair to say that if you target this, and if you target specifically policies, and this is kind of brings back to what uh, what I was kind of saying about, uh, or kind of the case that I also, actually, I think Bernie Sanders made during his 2020 presidential campaign very convincingly, that I think the best way to do something kind of like a reparation sort of policy um, would be to pass some sort of economic stimulus package, whatever that may look like, um, in terms of, for example, guaranteeing I don't know, guaranteeing health care, guaranteeing uh, college. I mean, that would be huge in terms of uh, kind of increasing the middle class and giving people upward social mobility and economic mobility. Uh, but I think really what this does show is that people uh, like like the, the this really what this is, it's a picture of the average working class like this. These are who the working class are today, like overwhelmingly. It is kind of women over men, um, and it's more diverse than ever. Like with Hispanic and African American people making up a good percentage of it, um, and I do want to give you the full breakdown of that. So this is again from July. Let's see how quickly we can uh, see the most up to date. This is around the most recent thing we, we've seen is uh, April sixteenth. Uh, that far too often, the t- term uh, "working class" is conflated with white and male identities. Frequently used, um, it would be nice, but all right. Here, so 2016, uh, 4.1 percent of the working class is Asian, uh, 58 percent is white, 13.3 is black. So pretty much, yeah, it's most mo- more than ever reflects the country right now. So there's more African Americans than ever, more Latinos than ever. Uh, in the working class and more Asians than ever in the working class. So, like, it is, we're, we're getting diverse here. We're getting parity, real racial parity. Um, but, yeah, in 
in a situation where everyone's in a bad situation regardless of their race. So, I mean, how great can it really be? But, I mean, this this is a such a clear, I think, representation of who the working class is. And if you can target those policies, I mean, to the working class, and I think a Joe Biden, really, a Joe Biden administration is going to have to, at least in some way, uh, figure out how to do that and help those people, especially target actually target relief for once. Um, and I, I mean, I don't even know if I trust them to do this. I, I, I think it's going to be very unlikely target some sort of stimulus package um, that actually goes toward um, the people who, are, who, are, who need it most, which um, is the working class and is overwhelmingly, I and mean, you can take two, the, the ID Paul, the identity politics uh, perspective, or you can take the kind of just, general perspective of you're helping out the poorest people the working working people of this country and you're also overwhelmingly helping out uh black and brown americans and i mean of course there is a huge element here that is kind of going on untalked about is the fact that like the economic structures that have created the racial divide that makes this situation so common like this, uh, like there is something deeper at play here. We see black Americans kind of starting off at the lowest point, falling so far and recovering so slowly. Like that is something that has really been kind of kind of one of the more disturbing things to, to see. Uh, and and kind of a reminder of really how far we have to come on really both racial and economic issues and how disturbing it is that that the person who, uh, may be leading the ground for the next four years is Joe Biden. I mean, even more disturbing if it's Trump, but not much better if it's Biden. Um, yeah, so that is a kind of a, a grim place to end things, I understand. But such is life nowadays. We will have a nice guest for you uh, Sunday to Monday show, I promise you. Um probably going to try and get Glenn Bradford to return to our show. I think that would be a great thing to have. Always a great voice on our show. One of the first guests, the first guest, I should say. Um, and we'll always be on Newsflash till the day it goes off the air. That's for damn sure. Um, but yeah, really appreciate that. Uh, and really appreciate you listening. If you like the show, please feel free to uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Give us some five-star reviews. We need to get our rating up there, folks. So If you like the show, please help us do that and give us some good ratings. Thank you. We'll see you next time Sunday. It's been Newsflash.